If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome to the Medicine Path Podcast. I'm your host, Brian James. In this episode, I speak with Jason Grichenik about the sacred tobacco of South American shamanism known as Mapacho. I met Jason in 2017 while I was teaching at the Temple of the Way of Light, an ayahuasca and plant medicine healing center in the Peruvian Amazon. I thought it was interesting that a former New York City actor had decided to apprentice as a tabacero, someone who facilitates healing ceremonies with the dark tobacco that is native to South America. So I asked Jason to come on the podcast and speak about his experience as an apprentice and to clear up any misconceptions about tobacco, which in the Amazon is considered a master plant teacher. If you're enjoying these conversations, please consider supporting the podcast. The easiest way to do that is to subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes and share with your friends on social media. 
Now, please sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with Jason Grichenik on the Medicine Path Podcast. So I'm speaking with Jason Grichanik. Did I say that right? Yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> and uh, Jason's in Iquitos, Peru right now, and we found a little time to connect. And uh, I wanted to thank you for joining us. Absolutely, yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, so the reason why I wanted to talk to you, um, we met last year when I was teaching yoga at the Temple of the Way of Light and you were working there as a facilitator. And I got introduced to tobacco as a plant medicine. And it's something that I'd heard about before, but there wasn't a lot of information out there and I hadn't met anyone who'd worked with it personally. And so it was kind of like my first introduction to um, the use of tobacco as a plant medicine for healing. And I wonder if you could just start by talking about uh, the difference between the tobacco that's being used in South American shamanism versus the tobacco that the rest of the world is familiar with. Yeah, um, the I mean, I guess to, to start with, in in the most basic sense, is the the tobacco that you find in the jungle um, is a different strain. So all tobacco is tobacco. It's, it's a plant. It comes, it's the family is nicotiana. Uh, most of the tobacco we find throughout the world is, is usually called blonde tobacco or you hear different names, uh, Virginia tobacco. Um, and the scientific name is nicotiana tobacco. And it's a, it's a certain strain of, of, uh, of tobacco. It's, it's often referred as a hybrid. And, um, the tobacco that you find here in the jungle, it's still tobacco, but it, it, it's a different variety and it's called Nicotiana uh, rustica or wild tobacco. And um, it tends to be much stronger. So I think that's a big reason why the Nicotiana tobaccum was really began to be propagated throughout the world because it's, it's just it's smoother. Um, you can grow it pretty much anywhere. It's a very hardy plant. Um, and I, I would imagine for commercial uses, it's just, it's superior. So the tobacco that comes from here, the, the rustica, it's, it's, it's also called black tobacco and, uh, it's stronger and it, um, you know, it's, it's a little harder to smoke recreationally because it can be, can be quite strong. It can make you pretty nauseous when you start smoking it, you start coughing. Um, and those are actually some of its properties as well. Um, and then the other big difference is, you know, it's, it's a little tricky because usually from where most of us come from, when we're talking about tobacco, it's a little confusing because what we're usually referring to, to tobacco is what we're, what we're actually talking about is cigarettes. And cigarettes are comprised of tobacco, but uh, what they're usually comprised of is what's called reconstituted sheet tobacco. And often they take the scraps when they're making cigars or pipe uh, tobacco, 
Um, often they would literally sweep them off the floor. They, they take all the scraps, they glue them back together, and then they press that into what looks like a sheet so that it kind of looks like uh, a, a leaf of tobacco, and then they chop it up, and then they, they roll it in cigarettes. So cigarettes are pretty highly regulated. So in the U.S., um, and I believe it's the same in, in, in a lot of the, the more regulated countries of the world, uh, a cigarette has to be comprised of 70% reconstituted cheap tobacco, tobacco product, but then it also contains around 30% added chemicals. Mm -hmm. And in a standard cigarette, they're usually adding somewhere between four to 6,000 added chemicals. And when you combust that, when you light it and you smoke it, that turns into about 8,000. Now, again, I could be slightly off on the numbers because it's been a while since I, I really researched it, but it's something like that. And so when you're smoking a cigarette, you're, you're inhaling some tobacco product, but then you're also inhaling around 8,000 chemicals. So, you know, many of us, we, we have, we've been raised with this view that tobacco is bad in a way that, that it causes cancer. And many of us probably even know people who we, we, we assume that they may have even died from, from smoking tobacco. Um, but, you know, it's interesting. I was reading a study the other day uh, where they were asking kids in the U.S., they, they gave them a multiple choice question, and they said, where does an apple come from? And one of the answers, I forget all four, but one of them was a tree and another was the supermarket. And, and most children in the U.S. chose a supermarket. That's where they believed an apple originated from. And I think sometimes we forget, you know, that tobacco is a plant. It's a, it's a green plant that looks like, you know, so many other plants. And, but we don't often see that. So we don't think of tobacco as a plant. And I think very few of us think of any plants as bad. We, we think of them actually quite the opposite. It's, it's our food, it's our medicine, and it's kind of that which supports life rather than that which takes life. Um, so when we're, when we're working with tobacco down here in a medicine way, we're working with pure tobacco. We're, we're working with tobacco with no added chemicals. And, um, and I would say, you know, at least fundamentally, th those are probably the, the biggest differences. Mm -hmm. uh, so how is tobacco used there? Yeah, so it's a, it's a big question. So, you know, I think today tobacco is still the third most widely grown crop in the world. I believe behind potatoes and wheat. I think wheat is maybe number one. Potatoes are number two, tobacco is number three. So tobacco is a huge crop all over the world. And uh, it, it, it's believed that it originated in the Americas, actually kind of from this Amazonian region, what they call the highlands, which is kind of where the Amazon begins to go up into the Andes. Um, and so throughout the Americas, you find all sorts of varieties of tobacco. Um, it was used traditionally by many, many, many cultures all throughout the Americas. Um, and actually, if you had to pick one plant that was used medicinally, the, the plant that was used most throughout all of the Americas was tobacco, um, which is kind of shocking to many people when they hear that. When the, the Europeans and the Africans and the, the waves of immigrants came to the US, 
or sorry, to all of the Americas from, from the United States, you know, Canada, Central America, South America. Uh, even when they arrived, they, they encountered this product called tobacco. And even if you read early accounts of these people who first came over, even early accounts of doctors, they describe tobacco as a medicine. And not only a medicine, but a medicine of the highest order, really a panacea, this, this medicine that had the potential to, to cure many ailments. Um, you know, over the years, again, that, that product, like many products, has become altered. The relationship in which we use it's changed. The product itself has changed. But traditionally here throughout the Americas, it was used as a medicine. Um, and many plants, they, they often have two purposes, especially, especially some of these more widely regarded plants that, that we would call here, we would call them plant teachers. So some of these big plant teachers like tobacco or ayahuasca or San Pedro, Lachuma, coca, um, peyote, iboga, you know, these are, these are plants that you find throughout the world that are used not just medicinally, because every plant does have a medicinal quality, but they're also used for teaching, for learning. And that's very much one of the aspects of tobacco. So tobacco can be used to cure certain physical ailments medicinally. Uh, you know, some of the things it's used to treat um, is you can drink it. It's a very strong purgative. It's a very strong cleanser of the blood. Uh, people make uh, powders out of it, things like snuff or what's often called rape or in Brazil, hape. They, they inhale it or they have someone uh, apply it through a tube, through the nose. Um, it's used for kind of clearing the mind. It can actually produce psychedelic experiences. Uh, people, they, they chew it. They, uh, you can make a liquid form of it where you would also inhale it. Um, even some of the people I worked with, like the Shipibo people, um, they would actually take it starting from a very young age in liquid form. The parents would give it to the children to inhale it to kind of increase their power, their energy, so they would go throughout the day and have this kind of this, this energy to work. Um, you can obviously smoke it. That's another way of working with it. So there's, there's many different ways of, of working with it. Predominantly, the way that the curandero, the healer, would work with it was through drinking it. Uh, like many plants, when we ingest it in its liquid form or its solid form, that's the way we take on the plant. We, we take it on, we, we ingest it, one, for its medicinal quality, but also for its ability to teach. And so for many people, maybe coming from a, an outside system, that idea that a plant can teach is very strange. Um, but again, in these areas, and, and not just in, in America, you know, all over the world, um, there were these plants that were considered master plants or teacher plants. And some of these plants are gaining popularity. A really common one is ayahuasca, for example. Many people are now coming to ayahuasca to actually to learn from it, uh, to learn from the spirit or the essence of ayahuasca, or even from a more Western point of view, to experience the chemical reaction when we ingest the substance. And tobacco is the same. It, it has the ability to teach. It has the ability to heal us, to heal us physically, to heal us emotionally, to heal us spiritually, if, if that word resonates. Um, and tobacco in many cultures here, here in South America, the word for tobacco was actually synonymous 
with the word for curandero, curandero meaning a doctor, a healer. So actually a, a doctor was one who worked with tobacco. Um, here, here in the Spanish-speaking countries, it's often called a curandero and one who cures with tobacco would be called a tabacero. Mm-hmm. Um, and tobacco very much has this property. You know, certain plants have different properties. They're all working to heal, to cure, to teach, but each plant has its, its specific properties. And, and while it's, it's very personal, every time we work with a plant, its teaching is very personal, but certain plants do tend to have these, these kind of archetypical qualities and qualities that are often described when people work with tobacco as this idea of power, uh, this idea of finding one's strength, finding one's clarity, finding uh, a quality of being grounded or being connected. Um, and that's very much how the curandero would use it, is they, they often viewed that their source of power came from tobacco. And it's also in many, in many cultures throughout the Americas, it was very much a part of their origin myths that, that either humans themselves somehow there was an origin relationship to tobacco and also that the plants themselves were somehow that they came from tobacco that that tobacco is often described as like the grandfather plant like this first plant and so one of the other ways tobacco has worked here uh, is in many of these cultures to learn from plants you do what's called a dieta and a dieta is oh, a just um sorry before we yeah. get into uh, dieta, I just wonder if you could describe for people what uh, I don't know if there is such a thing as a typical tobacco ceremony, but the way that you work with it in ceremony with people, I'm really curious about that. I've experienced it myself, but I don't even know if my experience was atypical. But if you could talk about how you work with it in ceremony when someone comes to you um, to heal, and it sounds like it could be healing something physical, emotional, uh, psychological. So if you could just talk about generally what, how it might be taken and how you might work with it. Yeah, so there's, you know, I think in a, in a lot of cultures throughout the world, there was this idea of a ceremony, of a ritual, of this time where we, we, we set aside a certain time, space, to, to work with a plant in a ritualistic way. Or not even necessarily a plant. It could be any ritual. It could be a vision quest where you, you take time out and you go into nature and you fast and you're just you know connecting with source. You're, you're going inside yourself. But yeah, in many cultures, they, they specifically worked with a plant and... and one would work with it in a ritualistic way or a ceremonial way. Um, and tobacco was one of these plants that could be worked with in ceremony. So usually, usually when someone does a ceremony, I mean, they, they're coming with some sort of idea of what they're there for. They, they may be looking to, to experience the power of the plant, the knowledge of the plant. They may be looking to, to, to heal some physical ailment they're having. It could be to open their mind. Um, so a ceremony, how it would look is, is often it takes place at night. There could be various people there. There would be one curandero, one person who's leading or guiding the ceremony. 
and everyone would ingest the tobacco in its liquid form. Um, and so that liquid, um, can you talk a little bit about how it's prepared? <laughs> uh, this is a bit of a secret. This is what the, yeah. the training is for. So, so these plants are also very strong. And, and part of a training to, to learn from these plants is kind of receiving the, sometimes in Spanish they would use like this idea of the authority. After, after your own training, which is often very long and rigorous, you would, you would receive the authorization to work with this plant. And part of that learning is learning how to prepare it. Um, but essentially you're, you're preparing tobacco in, in a particular way, in a special way, uh, in, in a liquid form that can be ingested. Many of these plants are very strong. That's why it's very important to work with someone who really knows what they're doing because mm -hmm. I think is uh, para, para Celsius, maybe, I can't remember exactly how you say his name. He was a, he was a Swiss, uh, Swiss physician uh, a couple hundred years ago and he said, you know, the difference between medicine and poison is in the dose. And so many of these plants are very strong. So we have to really make sure we know how we're working with them so that we know the right dose to administer for each person. And that's where mm. often a diagnostic would come in. And, and just the experience of the Corandero to know how much to give each person. Now, um, is, is the, the liquid that we drink, uh, there are other plants added to it, right? Like we don't have to get into any specifics, but is it always just tobacco or I seem to remember a strong taste of garlic in the, the brew that I drank. So there's other plants added to it. And is that something that's unique to the curandero? Yes, there can be, you know, there's, there's many ways to prepare any medicine and we can add other plants to alter the effect of that medicine to, to, to get it something specific. So we, we might be looking to, to make it stronger. We might be looking to make it more smooth. We, we may be looking to induce a purge. We, we may be looking to more like open the mind. Or there, there's different, mm. there's, there are different ways we could make it and, and that would involve uh, adding other plants, other substances, to, you know, varying the, the, the quantity, the dose. So yes, it is an, it's, it's often a mix. But tobacco okay. is the, the predominant uh, ingredient. So right. yeah, so then, uh, you know, in, in the ceremony, uh, you would ingest it. Often there would be songs, uh, which kind of the, the song for the Corandero is the way he, he connects because he's also ingesting that plant. And so he very much, you know, I, I'll, I'll talk from my experience, I would, I would, I would sing to, to what I'm feeling, what I'm feeling for each person I'm singing to or what I'm feeling in that moment needs to be invoked or to work with. Um, so it's very much, it's kind of this dance between myself, mm -hmm. the, the patient, the, the medicine. And, and I think more than anything is what this medicine is trying to connect us to, which is ultimately something much greater than ourselves, which we, we could call source or, or God or spirit or whatever word resonates with us. Mm -hmm. um, now the, the so songs, this, oh, sorry. I just want to mm -hmm. pause on the songs for a second. Um, are they songs that you would learn from 
your own teacher or are they spontaneous songs that come up in the moment or a mix? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, it can be a mix. Some songs are, they, again, I'll, I'll, I'll speak more from my process, but uh, some were, were taught to me from, from my teacher, very specific songs. And, and I can also speak from, from another tradition I work with, which is the Shipibo tradition, because I, I do a lot of work with ayahuasca and the Shipibo tradition. And, uh, you know, there's, there's Shipibo, they call them Ikaros, and there's many that, that they were taught by their teachers. There's some that are kind of, kind of like folk songs that, that many people know, kind of, you know, lullabies. Um, and then there are songs that are taught to us when, when we do this process of dieting. We, we may get a melody or we may begin to receive these words and we, we, we start to form a song and that speaks to us. So we sing that song, but also in the moment, the, the, the words or the melody could change to, to, to what we're feeling, to what we're seeing or sensing. Mm. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, there's different ways that, that the songs can be learned. And in your view, how do you think those songs work with the healing process? It's a good question. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I think a lot of this speaks to where I come from in the U.S. I was always very fascinated by, by Native American culture. And this theme that, that I remember a lot growing up was this idea of like Wankatanka, which was often translated as the great mystery. Mm. And... You know, I think what we're really working with is that that source, which is somewhat mysterious, but these these plants have an ability to somehow put us in touch with that. And so I think it's always, for me, very important to remember that it's not it's not Jason healing. It's it's not the Corandero healing. The, the Corandero is is a guide. Is is someone that's trying to point the patient back to their own source, which is the source, and, and to allow the patient to, to find their own healing. There, there's something very beautifully written in the, the Tao Te Ching, which I think is, is, for me, probably the most profound book ever written, which is that, you know, when it's kind of this idea of when we really empower people, they almost don't know that the Corandero exists. The, the, the more the curandero, in a way, can remove himself, the more that we allow the patient to empower himself to find his own answers. That's really when when we're successful. And right. So it sounds like that, like that, when the songs are coming to you, it's a really intuitive process. And um, like as a musician, when I'm improvising, it's only really working when I'm not really present in that process like when i'm more of just mm. a channel for that mystery that wants to come through at that particular moment with those particular people in that space and yeah. time and it's a completely mysterious process and i know that when i start to think about it too much it feels like i'm blocking something would you yeah. say that it's similar to that it is and you know 
And at the same time, often these songs are rooted in, in something real, you know, and so I'm sure very much from your experience, like you still, you know, if you're playing a guitar, you still have to know the chords, you still have to have practiced, you, you may have a certain song and you start playing the song and then that song morphs into something else. Um, but these, these things, they are all rooted in something, but you know, often something else begins to take over and and, and we kind of begin to, to channel that in a way to, uh, to allow that, that thing that's doing the work. Um, you know, often I work with what's called a chikapa. It's kind of this, this bundle of leaves that makes this very particular sound, creates this very particular rhythm. And I, I know from my own experience that, that when I'm really connected to that, it's not me moving the chikapa, it's something else is moving something else is, is, is healing and it's, it's more the more I can get out of the way and allow that to happen the more powerful it is I used to do a lot of acting and it's it's not you know fortunately it's not something I can do here in the jungle much it, <laughs> not a big audience or a, a lot of other people but you know it, it was a very similar thing I mean when I was on stage the most powerful moments were when Jason wasn't acting in fact, there, there was no Jason. It was just this thing that was moving, connecting. And when it was finally over, then Jason came back in the way. And, 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 and it's, it, it's, it's a rare thing and it's an untouchable thing, but it's something that, that we're, we're always trying to, to work with and channel and to find that connectedness. And it can come and it can go, but... Uh, when, when we take these medicines, they very much put us in a place where these things are more accessible. And that's one of the main reasons why we would work with these plants. That's for sure. And um, that's a big part of your training, right? When starting to work with these plants is um, like, for me, you know, I've been playing music for 30 years and probably the first 10 years of that was really hardcore practice, just learning technique, learning theory. It was very cerebral. And once there's a certain facility, then it's like there's a body memory that's there. And so I don't really have to think about what I'm doing, like about forming the chords or finding the notes, but it, it's taken like a really long time for that to happen. and. I wonder if there's some correlation there to how you started to be trained in this. Can you talk a little bit yeah, about that yeah. training and maybe who your, your teacher has been? Yeah, uh, it's very similar. You know, something else I do is, is jujitsu and uh, it's, it's something I, I love practicing. Again, something I, I wish I could practice more. Um, and it's a very similar thing. You know, when, when anyone starts, we, we just start doing repetition of these moves and they don't work, you know, or maybe they work once in a while, but it's just through this continuous repetition that eventually, you know, one day we just kind of, we do it and then something clicks and we're like, Oh wait, this actually works. And then probably the next time it doesn't because we're in our head again or we're going against someone better. And it's, you know, we constantly have to refine it. And, and then, and then we, we find that it does, it just starts working. Um, and very much in this work too, you know, like an example would be my pipe, you know, 
part of my my training was, uh, you know, at, at some point I, I one has to make their own pipe to smoke tobacco. And then I was told by my teacher how to work with it, which was, you know, this kind of very particular system, you know, quite simple, but but basically he was just like, look, you got to work with this. You got to work with this every night, every night, work with it. This is how you work with it. Mm -hmm. And so I trusted him. I, I, you know, I trusted in the process. And I think, you know, even just initially, because I trusted in him. And then once I did my first dieta with him, my, my first kind of training, I, I felt something from that. I felt, I felt differently after, and, and that helped to build the trust. And, and so eventually, you know, when he would say something, I would just be like, okay, well, I'm, I'm doing this because I trust him. So I trust in what he says. So, you know, he's mm -hmm. saying to work with my pipe in this particular way, so I'm going to do it. In the beginning, I didn't see anything. I didn't understand. I was just doing it. You know, it was kind of like this thing, like, you know, faking it till you make it. I was just going through <laughs> the motions. I didn't, it seemed kind of silly. And there was even times where I doubted. I'm like, what is this guy talking about? I'm just smoking a pipe. <laughs> uh, you know, it's no different from smoking a mapacho and yet he assured me like there's a difference it's like yeah you're, you're going to develop a relationship with your pipe you're going to connect with it and you know it was probably a year or two years and there's no connection <laughs> it's like hmm. this guy's full of himself but I trusted him so I kept doing it and I kept doing it and I kept doing it and well, at, the at the beginning like what was the thing that um, that led you to that like you're having these doubts and you're questioning it, but obviously there's something that was leading you into that and then sticking with it. Like, what was that? Do you have a sense of that? Like, was it was it really clear to you or was it just a, a feeling? It was, I think it was a feeling. I, I, I initially came down to, to teach uh, at the place you mentioned, this, this ayahuasca or this, this plant medicine center called Temple of the Way of the Light. Temple the Way of Light, and um, and after that, I became interested in this this process of dieting. I began working with ayahuasca quite a bit, and, and then I got interested in this process of dieting, which is kind of the traditional way one would learn from the plant experientially. And the first plant that, that came to mind when I when I heard about this process of dieting was tobacco. Hmm. Um, but at the time there. There was kind of this this view that I, I I couldn't diet tobacco. I needed to work with these other plants first, which it kind of didn't make sense. But I, I I just did it, and so I was dieting these other plants. And, and that that was coming from the Shipibo healers that you're working with. It was coming more not from the healers, which was interesting. Okay, so maybe <laughs> some uh, some other people that you're working with down there, right? They had, so, idea, they had ideas about what you needed to do before you could get to tobacco. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, which didn't resonate, but but I did it. You know, again, it was just, okay, so if that's the process, that's the process. So, um, and then I, it was very interesting because when, when I came down for, for my first ayahuasca workshop, uh, my neighbor was this, this really funny Australian guy named Angus and uh, very funny guy, very crazy guy. And uh, when I ended up coming back, because I did my first workshop at, at the Temple of the Way of the Light, and I ended up coming back about six months later to work there. 
So this guy Angus was still in Iquitos. He'd been hanging around working with different plants. So we kept in touch. And eventually he told me he was working with this tobacco, this guy who works with tobacco. And, um, and so when I was thinking of dieting, again, this idea of tobacco would come up. I, I didn't really, in a way, find what I was looking for or find the, this, this methodology that resonated with me. I started talking to him, and he's, what he was saying really somehow resonated. And so I, I went to meet with, with his teacher, and when I met him, something about him really stuck just the way he was his background the way he spoke the way he spoke of the plants and so i decided i'm gonna do a, a diet with him and it was it was really tough i mean the, the the first day i drank medicine with him i i i really thought i was gonna die i mean it was it was so strong it just it it literally knocked me out i, I couldn't move i was so nauseous my heart was racing i was sweating i I didn't even have the energy to like to pull the, the purge bucket over the vomit. <laughs> and it, you know, I wasn't eating anything. It was basically fasting the whole time. And it was seven days straight of this. And I was like, like, I can't do this. You know, I was filled with doubt. It was like, this was the strongest experience I'd ever had in my life. Mm. And I had to do six more days of this. Oof. So my, my mind was, you know, fighting a lot, but, but there was something inside of me and maybe it was just pure stubbornness, but I, sure that's part of it but I think there was something deeper in me that, that kind of pushed me through that process and and when I emerged it was the first diet I had done where I really felt differently I felt something had changed something had shifted and it was tangible and it was real hmm. and so I think you know just experientially that trust was built it was you know it was built step by step and um Right. It wasn't, so, yeah, go, it wasn't going, theoretical or it wasn't built on some belief that you needed to form, but it was built on this experience that you had, this gnosis of what was possible, right? Which I think is so important, yeah. especially when working with something that requires so much commitment and uh, courage, really. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was built on both. It was built on the experiential and then I think somehow a deeper calling that was inside me that somehow knew that, that this is what I needed to work with. You know, one often hears of this, this idea that, that we don't come to the plants, that the plants somehow come to us or that the plants somehow call on us to take them. Um, uh, I so believe that, man, because <laughs> my experience with tobacco was almost, it was really unexpected. It wasn't something that I was seeking out. And I was actually adverse to it because I'd heard <laughs> about how difficult the experience could be. Um, and it didn't sound like anything I wanted to put myself through. <laughs> and then it just kind of happened by chance that I was, I was in a certain place. I was in Iquitos. I was with someone and they invited me and against all my better judgment, something in me said, yes. And I was kind of surprised that I said yes. Um, so, yeah, I really resonate with that. Um, it's really hard to explain where that calling comes from. But to me, it just feels like the heart says yes, even if the head is saying, what are you doing? Absolutely. Um, yeah. 
and and that's 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 the archetypical in a way hero's journey is is we always have these these uh, you know i'll use the word voices but that's it's not really true but for lack of a better word we had these two voices we had these two callings inside of us always you know i drank these tobacco i drank ayahuasca many times and every time i had these two same voices one i i call the mind and the mind never wants to take it because the mind is afraid it, it knows what it's getting into there's there's a fear there's a you know the body as as you probably know it, it starts to actually like convulse it starts to reject it because it knows what's coming but then there's something deeper in us which which we can call our gut or our heart that, that really knows that it, it's being called to work with this and it's not easy you know because it's much easier to listen to the mind it's much easier to listen to the head uh, but, but well, it's like what, how we're conditioned, right? Like, come from that. Yeah, I, I think that's just down to our conditioning. I, like in our culture, there's not so much importance placed on the heart. Um, and I mean, you talk about listening to the gut. And for me, that experience with tobacco was such a visceral experience that was quite different from working with ayahuasca and that's something I wanted to ask you about because that tobacco ceremony was incredibly profound for me. And the knowing, the insight, the healing that I got seemed to come from a different place than other medicines that I've worked with. And I'm wondering if, if you have any concept of how tobacco is working. Like with ayahuasca, there's a visionary state that you can get into. Um, I don't know. It's it's a it's a much different experience. There's something that was so clear and visceral about the tobacco experience. It was like there was nothing um, to get confused by. Like it was just. I don't know. The only word I can think of is just absolutely clear. It was clear what I needed to heal. And it went like right there almost immediately. It was very direct and clear. Can you speak about that? Is that something that you've experienced? Yeah, every every medicine is unique. Every medicine works in its own way. People would often talk about every plant has a spirit and every spirit works differently. But all spirits are still, they come from source. So they're still serving this greater good. Um, and so, yeah, the, the ways in which ayahuasca, for example, and tobacco work are, are very different. And yet they're still, they're still getting towards the same source. Often what we hear of ayahuasca is that it's this feminine spirit. And again, I don't know where that came from. Because, for example, that's not how the Shpibo view it. The Shpibo actually call it uni, which means truth or knowledge or wisdom. And they actually believe that it's both, it's both masculine and feminine. And it's interesting because the ayahuasca brew is comprised of two plants, the ayahuasca vine and usually chacruna. Uh, the chacruna they view as the feminine and the ayahuasca they view as the masculine. The masculine is what gives the effect, it's what holds the space and the, the chacruna, the feminine is what gives the light. And when you combine those two plants, you get uni 
or truth or wisdom. Um, I think the reason ayahuasca is often referred to in this more feminine way is because of the way it works. It's more ethereal. It's more of a dance. It's visionary. It's, it, it represents more of this yin quality. Same for tobacco. Tobacco is often described as, as a grandfather, more of a masculine energy. And again, it's neither one nor the other, but it's more the way in which it works. It perhaps embodies more of these masculine qualities, these ideas of strength, of groundedness, of power, and of clarity. And so very much, you know, very much the, the power, the, the work of tobacco is that it's often, it's described as a medicine of the dreams. And when we dream, we, we dream every night. We, we dream a third of our lives. You know, some people think they don't dream, but everyone dreams. It's just not everybody remembers their dreams. But a third of our lives we're spending in an extremely altered state of consciousness, so altered that our bodies are, by all intents and purposes, dead. I mean, they're gone. And your consciousness is somewhere very, very far away, very different, and yet equally as real as your consciousness in the waking state. So the fascinating thing about tobacco is it very much bridges that gap. So it bridges the gap between the waking state and the dreaming state. And so when we take tobacco, when we ingest it in its liquid form, in its ceremonial form, we're very aware, but we're actually entering the dream state, but we're lucid. We're still in this state and we're in the dream state where it's like we have one foot in, in both states simultaneously. So we're able to experience the dream state, but we're able to experience in a lucid way, in a way in which we're actually aware of it, in a way that even the next morning we're, we remember everything that happened. It's not fleeting. It's actually mm -hmm. with us and it becomes this power and it's teaching is that these things that are happening in this state were very present to them and the messages are they're very clear often with ayahuasca you know we can talk mm -hmm. in metaphors or visions with tobacco it's it's not like that it's what you see is what's happening and the message is direct and precise even physically you know, it's very strong. It's a purgative. It can be very strong physically, but also it's going into these areas of our body where we are holding on to these blocks or these sicknesses. And we often talk of these plants being intelligent, and that may be that may sound strange for many people. But this idea of intelligence, and that the like you described, the plant actually goes to these spots in our body where we know ourselves that we're holding on. And when it goes to that spot, we feel it. And we're like, oh my God, like, yes, that's, that's where I've been holding on. Well, and actually, made... you know, I, I got to say, I had no idea where I thought it needed to go or what needed to be healed. And it right. showed But me... in the moment, in the moment, there's a sense of knowing. Not, not a knowing before, like, oh, I want tobacco to go to this part of my body. But in the moment when we're drinking and it goes there, we feel it. We feel that block. We feel that sense of like, oh my God. And it could be, it could bring about the state of nausea or or just this this really strong feeling. And we, we can sense that there's something blocked there. There's something that needs to be liberated. Sure, you feel the the nausea and the tension, but as I experience, you get 
an incredible <laughs> releasing of that <laughs> through a Hopefully. Pretty, pretty, <laughs> pretty epic purge. Well, if you have yeah. trouble um, throwing up, like uh, I'm not a big purger that way, but thankfully the curandero who I was working with um, helped things along. <laughs> so yeah. she made sure I didn't stay in that stuck state. But you, you touched on something there that really resonates with me. Um, the thing about tobacco that I found was that there was like no interpretation needed. Um, mm -hmm. It was just uh, so very clear. And so I found it incredibly helpful. Um, and yeah, I guess just to wrap it up, I want to uh, just ask you about um, how you're currently working with tobacco. And is it something that people can come and experience with you directly? Yeah, so um, I I hold I, the the main way again one works with tobacco is through this process of of ingesting it, and it can be either ceremonial or through a process of of doing what's called a dieta, and again a dieta is the traditional way in which we we learn from this plant. So um, it's interesting because in many of these cultures, tobacco is often the plant that's used when we diet any plant. So when we do a dieta with a plant to learn from it, often, very, very often, that plant is mixed with tobacco. Because again, there's this idea that in, in, in more local terms, that the spirit of that plant likes the spirit of tobacco the tobacco allows the plant to enter and to teach and it, it regulates and it guides mm -hmm. so um the main place i'm i'm still working right now is the temple of the way of light and uh and we do a lot of work with ayahuasca um but it's it's very much a plant medicine center so we work with many plants a whole host of plants and what we've started doing there now is offering dietas, offering a chance for people to experience these plants. And so what that entails, how we're, we're working with it, is uh, someone would come down for 10 days. And essentially seven of those days, you would be in isolation. So you're in a room, you have no contact with anyone else except the, the, the guide, the curandero, which would be myself or one of my colleagues. And you're drinking your plant every night, which is often we would start with tobacco. And then after that, for, for diets that follow, we would work with other plants, other healing plants. Now, is that, a, is that, a, is that a, like a, a ceremony every night? It's, it's not a ceremony per se. Um, it's, it's really, it's just you in your room. You never leave your room. You're essentially fasting the whole time. You, you, you would usually take a little bit of juice twice a day. Um, and I would, I would come to the room and give you your plant, which would be ingested. Uh, I would stay there for a little while to make sure that it's, 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 it's been administered well, that you're receiving it. And then the, the guest would be on their own for the rest of the night. And that would continue for seven nights in a row. And it often involves a lot of cleaning, a lot of physical cleaning, a lot of purging, a lot of going to the bathroom. Um, and once the body is clean, then the plant really begins to penetrate. And it begins to penetrate on these different levels, physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. 
And in that way, we begin to receive the healing benefits of the plant. And we also learn from the plant. And, you know, the, it's often said that, that that plant is then your ally. And so it's kind of this idea that, that after the diet is over, that, that that plant has put a seed inside of you. And then it's up to you, once you leave, how you take care of that seed. Do you water it? Do you give it sunshine? give it fertilizer? Do you take care of it? And in the beginning, we kind of have to take care of that seed, but eventually that seed grows into a plant and the plant grows into a bush and the bush eventually grows into a tree. And then that tree is, is strong and it bears fruit and, and we, we receive that fruit. And, and in a way, then the tree begins to take care of us. And very so, much, you know, not, not only is there, there the healing benefit of that, the teaching, Again, that's, that's often the, the process that the curanderos themselves use to then begin to work with these plants. That's how the curanderos also do their work, is they, they receive the teachings of these plants so that they can cure with them. And ultimately, you know, this is, it's kind of tricky. The, the language becomes kind of tricky, right? But what are we actually taking on? What are we actually learning? And ultimately, is there any difference between our own healing and someone else's healing? Is there a difference between my own knowledge and true knowledge? Is there any difference between my own consciousness and a greater consciousness? And I think what we begin to perhaps see is that all of these things, they begin to blend. And, and that's very much where the, this idea of uni comes in, this idea of truth, of real knowledge, of real wisdom that's what these plants are pointing us back to. So as a, a dieta is not necessarily for someone who wants to train to be a curandero, but someone who's looking for a deeper healing. Yeah, it could be to heal a specific condition. You know, maybe you come down, you're really anxious or you have uh, bad kidneys or any, any physical ailment, any mental, emotional ailment. Um, there, there's a physical act of healing, and that would depend on what plant you're dieting. So you may come with a specific thing you want to work on, so a specific plant would be administered for you. And ultimately, there's the, there's the learning from that plant, because all healing, there's also there's a root of learning. It's, it's getting to the root of where that problem is arising from. Mm -hmm. And often we have to go into ourselves to see where that root is so that we can also, in a co-creative aspect, become our own healers to allow that healing to happen. Because it's, it's never just the plant. It's always a dance. It's a dance between yourself, the plant, and what all of those things are pointing towards, which I think is, is, is this source much greater than, than ourselves. So while you know, there, there can be different types of dietas, but they're also pointing towards the same source. And so we can come for a very specific healing diet, or we can come from, for a more general diet to learn from the plant, to, to receive whatever healing it, it has to offer mm. for us. Yeah, thanks. Um, how can people find out more about you? Uh, probably the easiest way is I, I do have a website. It's nicotianarustica.org. So Nicotiana Rustica is the scientific name for uh, the tobacco that comes from here. It's also called Mapacho. So Nicotiana Rustica, one word. It's pretty easy to, to Google that, that term. Uh, dot org. 
that's my site that has a lot of information on, on tobacco, dieting, there's some information on ayahuasca. And the place I'm doing most of my work right now is Temple of the Way of Light. And, and the website for that is its name, templeofthewayoflight.org. And that, that has a lot of information on uh, dietas, tobacco, ayahuasca workshops. It's, it's predominantly, we're doing a lot of work with, with ayahuasca. And we also, within the last year, have started to offer these dietas. So there, there's a lot of choices and it's, it's an amazing place. And, um, you know, again, I, I always say, you know, I, I wouldn't blindly encourage people just to come down, you know, do your research, make sure this is something you really want to do because this work is very tough. As you know, it's not easy. It's called work. It's called work for a very specific reason because we're, we're going into our darkness. We're going into these things that are keeping us from what we're all looking for, which is peace, you know, happiness, joy, the, the Buddha put it, the end of suffering. And that doesn't come easy. It's never come easy. It takes, it takes work. And so we have to be prepared to work. And the amazing thing is if we're prepared, these plants have an ability to open us to just a new way of being, a new way of looking at the world, a new way of looking at ourselves, and, and this chance to really allow healing to happen. And it's, a, it's an amazing process. And, and if we prepare ourselves and if we put work into it, the, really the sky is the limit to what we can get out of this. Yeah, amen to that. Um, thanks a lot for your time. And uh, I do encourage people to check out the Temple of the Way of Light and Jason's work. I can attest to the integrity of that place. It's not a cult even though the name may sound like it's a cult. It's not a cult. <laughs> I found that people... Um... By most people's definitions, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe it could be debated, I guess. <laughs> but no, I mean, the people that work there are wonderful people, um, people who are very sincere and, and are putting in the work. And that's one thing that I really appreciated. It feels like a really solid container for other people to come in and do their own personal work. So you're a big part of that. You're a real stable force there. So um, oh, thank, thank you, man. Yeah. yeah, well, thanks a lot for this like masterclass on tobacco. I feel like we've answered all the questions that I had for sure about tobacco and how you work with it. And uh, hopefully have cleared up some misconceptions for others too. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's, it's, it, I think this media is so important. You know, even for me, most most of my information now I get from podcasts. I get from from just people who are inspired and passionate about what they're doing. And, and these kind of forums just allow they they allow ideas to really flourish and to talk about things in a way that that I think are so beneficial. So, you know, I, I applaud you for for creating this and doing it because uh, you know these kind of things they have the ability to change the world. And that's what we're doing with working with plants. You know, we're not changing people on a massive level. We're changing people one person at a time. But when we change one person, when we allow that person to, to discover themselves, they go out and it's a ripple effect. And, and so these things really can have a, a huge, a huge powerful effect. Yeah. So yeah, man, thanks. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And you're, you're a good man. And I, I hope our paths cross again soon. So yeah, I'm sure we'll see each other down the road. <laughs> Okay, well, have a great night, and um, yeah, good luck in your travels. We'll talk soon, I hope. Yeah, cheers, brother. I appreciate the time. Yeah, take care now. You too. Bye. Bye-bye.
Thanks for listening. I hope you found my conversation with Jason Grichanik informative and enlightening. If you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or consider contributing a few dollars to help pay for the ongoing costs needed to produce this podcast. You can also check out the short film I recently released called The Shamanic Roots of Yoga. And I've also put out a free ebook on integrating the insights and inspiration from ecstatic experiences called Wisdom of the Heart. Both of these are available at medicinepathyoga.com. Well, that's all for now. Thanks again for listening, and I hope to meet you again on the Medicine Path. Oh, John, 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 oh, John
Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 